And that was another rendition of Girl from Ipanema. You are listening to KBXM Clean Water Radio. All smooth and classic jazz all the time. My name's Brent Brickerson, and I'm joined by my co-host, James. How's it going, James? What's up, jazz heads? We're going to take a break from Girl from Ipanema, though. We just ran through ten different versions of it. Uh, that last one was interesting because it was a, a woman singer. Uh, but we're going to take a break to talk about some horror video games. <laughs> yeah, nice setup, dude. Nice. Yeah. Uh, that's the show today. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Faith. Not the George Michael song or the Limp Bizkit cover. Mm. We are talking about Unfortunately We are talking about the video game Faith Yes Uh, It's tight It's fucking tight I don't know I don't totally agree with that But it was released in 2017 It's by Airdorf Games It's a very interesting Video game It's It's interesting how tight it is It's interesting It's got a lot (laughs) going on I we didn't feel the same about it, so we're going to mm-hmm. talk about it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, also published by New Blood Interactive, who is uh, going above and beyond right now in these COVID times. They always put out a bunch of really cool shit. So yeah, New New yeah. Blood is cool. They yeah they have a, a really interesting lineup. They put out Dusk. Uh, if you're not familiar mm-hmm. with the company, um, yeah, very cool company. Um, but before we get into it. Uh, as always, this episode of Zero Brightness is brought to you by you. You can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness to sign up to support the show directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to zerobrightness.com to find links to all the various shit that we have going on. We have a Discord. We have a Bandcamp where you can buy t-shirts and music. Um, all the music in the show is compiled on a soundtrack uh, that you can purchase and you know Bandcamp's doing those sale days first Friday of every month we get all the money from digital sales which is cool uh, so that's the time to buy music uh, you can buy merch whenever the hell you want it's a free country mm-hmm. um, it's a lot of pennies all those pennies add up oh yeah oh yeah brother oh yeah uh, the production budget for this show as you can hear is sky high so uh, yeah, the girl from Ipanema license is like unfuckwithable. Sheesh. Cost us a fortune. Yeah, and 10 different versions. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the thing is, I joke, but I, man, this was a crazy day. You want to hear about this crazy day I had? One <laughs> one time, this was like dead of winter, right? It was like negative a billion degrees, and my fucking boots like fell apart, and I needed new boots, and I was at work. And I was trying to find boots that you could wear while at work, but also were okay to wear outside when it was really cold. And so I I was in this neighborhood, though. I used to work in this neighborhood that had a bunch of, like, shoe stores, like, nice, like, boot stores, basically. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, oh, shit, all right, I'm going to go to these stores. And I couldn't find anything good. So I was basically driving around this fucking neighborhood, listening to just jazz radio because I was too lazy to put something else on. And they were literally doing a show where they just played like 10 different versions of Girl from Ipanema and talked about wow. all the like tiny differences between the versions. And How dull. It was horrendous. But I listened to it. I listened to the whole thing. Uh, I don't know nice. why. So, Did any of those versions have blast beats? 
Not a one, my friend. No. How disappointing. <laughs> yeah, the black metal yeah, girl from Ipanema did not make a cameo. Napalm Death's rendition. <laughs> girl from <laughs> Napalm Ema. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's how you can find all our stuff. ZeroBrightness.com, links to everything. Uh, mm-hmm. Help help me. <laughs> nice nice (laughs) and faith end of thought so okay uh faith it's retro month this is retro month episode Mm -hmm. three uh we've now done some retro games we're moving into our modern retro style games retro retro spelled (laughs) e-a-u-x at the end yeah uh so you know faith is interesting because it's kind of like the most extreme faux retro game. Yeah, well, it's it's faux Atari or you know very early PC. It's at like a one ninety two by one sixty resolution. Yeah. So we're talking chonk. Yeah. And most of the sprites are one to two colors. Um, basically, all the animations of the game are two frames. Yeah. Or like the same thing flipped, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it's all the backgrounds are black. We just have some sprites on the screen. Uh, very stark. But I think that works to its advantage as a piece of horror. And I think we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So I think most people are going to look at it and think Atari. Uh, and it is. Yeah. That's like the, the visual style, the audio visual style of the game is Atari. It's also got these computer voices yes which was the atari was capable of with the little expander cart yeah Yeah. so it's got these computer voices that read some of the dialogue it's very like it's funny how devoted it is to that aesthetic until it's not like it basically adds Mm. in these certain parts where it just they're almost like animated cutscenes that look crazy uh, yeah, it uses these really cool rotoscoped animations. Yeah. Um, so it gives it a really lifelike animation, but at the same time, it's really still just like, you know, monochromatic, chonky lines that yeah. might be flashing, you know, between frames. Yeah, it's super cool, though, and it's a it's a really cool subversion of the aesthetic. And it's kind of shocking the first time they pull one out of you. You're like, whoa, holy shit. It's really um, cool. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, that's something that this developer, you know, the only other thing I've played by this developer, I believe, is uh, the game that they had in the Dread X collection, Summer Nights. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which kind of did the same thing in a different way, which is that presented you with a really simple visual style and then subverted it really hard right at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's very cool. You know, uh, that's something that is super effective, I think, in horror games. Yeah. Um, and this game does that, and it's pretty cool. But, you know, because of that limitation, really what you're doing is, like, wandering around these environments, reading notes, collecting mm-hmm. lore, and then just kind of solving little puzzles and stuff. And then... So there's... there's we should talk a little bit about this. There's two chapters to this game. This Yeah. This game has been kind of ongoing in development since 2017, uh, it, it is eventually going to have three chapters, but right now there's just two. Yeah, and it's going to get like a console and Switch release um, when all three are out. Yeah, 
But so we we played the first two chapters, which are uh, available now, and they both kind of have the same thing, which is that they start off very slow and atmospheric. You're collecting mm-hmm. notes and bits of lore and maybe seeing little little scenes here and there. Uh, and then halfway through, it enters into like kind of combat. There's usually like a boss or bosses that you have to do simplistic combat with. And it ends with like a final boss. Yeah. Uh, There's not a ton of combat, though. There's probably like three, three or four encounters in each game. Yes, but also it's worth noting that each of these is about an hour long. Uh, So they're very short. You know, you can play both chapters in two hours. And I will say that the back half of both of these is more or less dominated by the combat and combat encounters. Yeah, maybe if you die a lot. That's a problem that I had with the game. Uh, I think the combat is awful, and I did die a lot. And it mm. it really, it's weird. Like, the first half of it being so atmospheric and using the minimal visuals and everything in, in a really mm-hmm. cool way. And then the second half just being like, ironically, kind of it being like a Tiger Electronics game, which is what he made for the DreadX collection. And like... yeah. I, I really did not like the combat or the bosses. Yes, see, that's kind of where our, our opinions diverge because to me, it felt like the combat was in like the last 15 minutes of the game. And I only died a couple times like per final boss. So it, it, it wasn't that bad or grating to me. But yeah, I could see how like, because it is a difficulty spike because there's like zero difficulty and then there's like a little combat. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, between Faith 1 and Faith 2, it is done differently. In Faith 2 or Faith Chapter 2 has a lot more combat encounters, but they're parceled out more evenly. So it doesn't Mm. get like super annoying until the last boss. Um, Faith Mm. 1, I felt like it just like the enemy shows up. And you have to fight the enemy, and it's super annoying kind of the whole time. For me, because I didn't really get it. Uh, I didn't get like how oh. exactly you were supposed to do it. Your character okay. moves torturously slow. I mean, your character moves at a pace that is just like obscene. I don't that think true. I don't think there's any defending that. And <laughs> he's very slow. For the game itself, I didn't mind it if it was just like an exploration type game. But then mm. for the combat parts, I was just like you have got to be kidding me because it makes it so frustrating. Well, it, 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 I, I felt the same thing about the Count Lucanor, which we played recently, where like the character is like really slow and it's hard to get him to like avoid enemy attacks sometimes. But yeah, I do see your uh, the comparison with an adventure game because like the first half of the game almost feels like a spooky king's quest or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Because, you know, essentially, okay, at the beginning of the first game, you have your car pulled over on the side of the highway and you walk into the forest looking for a house because there's no road anymore. Mm -hmm. And so the forest is made of, of a bunch of screens. Uh, And there are landmarks like you'll find a pond and you'll find a well or a big unique tree. But on the other tiles where there aren't unique locations, they're randomized. So the forest is really, really confusing uh, until you realize that. And then you can kind of navigate it a little better. 
Yeah. And to make things worse, uh, both sides loop. So if you go too far to the left, it loops. And uh, I got so lost the first time I played this game. Yeah, it's easy to get lost in the forest, but I thought this part was really cool because there are a lot of little things to find. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, in this game, you're kind of just wandering around and looking for bits of lore and notes and stuff and trying mm-hmm. to piece... Because the game gives you no setup. It gives you no real, like, context for what's going on. It just starts. Well, it, it, gives, it gives you a little tiny intro. It, it shows the pastor, pastor or Father John, driving into the woods, and he says... uh he needs to like finish what he started, yeah. And what he's what he's about to try has not been approved by the Vatican, yeah. So and then it gives you the title screen, which I thought was a really cool way to start the game, yeah, totally. And it does it in that like scary Atari voice. It's so cool. Yeah, I do hate those voices a little bit. They're so fucking I loud. I love them. <laughs> I love them. They're so weird. They're so um, loud and grating. But it it is cool. I agree with you. I thought the intro is really cool, and it's like a really it's a cool setup. And I like in the forest, you're wandering around and finding landmarks, and you can mm-hmm. use. So the only control you have, like you you can pause the game, and then you can press A to lift up a little cross, and yeah. you can like exercise demonic shit. So like. If you go up to an item and hold up your cross and it starts flashing, that means you can, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, cleanse it, and then you'll usually get a note from it. Yeah. Um, and so you're wandering around the forest, and you're finding uh, little landmarks, seeing little scenes, and you're also being chased by, like, a weird spider creature? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a character known as, I think, Michael. Okay. But uh, in the lore, he's written as a chupacabra because in one of the endings, he gets hit by a car. Oh, and so shit. he's kind of like known as the white chupacabra in these woods. Yeah. And like you can find notes that mention him as the chupacabra. And yeah. like, but yeah, it looks like a weird, creepy spider guy. And he chases you around and makes like a really horrifying printer type noise. Well, and, and he says a bunch of creepy shit and one of his favorite quotes he says i have the body of a pig Uh which is like a direct throwback to this like classic evp that was debunked uh but yeah it's like i think it's like a 1970s or 1980s like quote-unquote evp recording yeah that uh said that i thought that was a cool throwback to kind of like ghosty stuff you know yeah totally well and then that's kind of the vibe of the game too so like you're wandering around the forest you're finding notes and stuff. You can get lost. Uh, you can end up yeah. looping. But w- if you go straight, you'll find the house that you're mm-hmm. looking for. And what yeah. I did is I actually just went straight, found the house, and then started kind of doing circles like around oh, wow. the forest. So, Dude, I got so lost for so long. Yeah. <laughs> so side note is like I actually have a really, really freakishly good sense of direction uh, in, in real life. And I find that sometimes like in video games, it actually helps me not get lost if something is laid mm. out in a sensible way. Like I definitely get lost in certain games because everything looks the same or things are laid out in a nonsense way but like if it's like a a decent setup i usually don't get lost so i actually use my kind of like orienteering skills and i was like oh like here you go but yeah it was fun to just like creep around the woods and you're trying and it's easy to avoid the spider thing um and like i don't know that part of the game is cool it's got cool music in the background there's like a piece of classical music uh chip once again chiptune style it's moonlight sonata yeah dude. moonlight sonata. but it's like a just duophonic triangle wave moonlight sonata yeah it sounds awesome and uh yeah. 
yeah i was like pretty hyped up i was like this is cool um you know it is it is just like a note collectathon but given like the limitations of what you're seeing i think it's an interesting way to present the story well another thing i want to say is that i think the notes and lore are really cool and the game is also placed in 1986, which is kind of the height of the satanic panic thing. Right. And so, like, you know, that along with, like, the Poltergeist and Exorcist movies, like, I feel like this is, like, the, the that that kind of, like, small moment in time was, like, the perfect moment to, like, have this game set in. Yeah. And reading all the lore and stuff, it really does feel like a... Sometimes it'll feel like an unsolved mysteries thing where it's like a a newspaper clipping of the stuff going on in town at the time of this possession story because that's really what this is. Yeah. And uh I I love reading all the notes. And I think the story is really uh compelling for such a simple game that looks like Atari Indiana Jones. Yeah, I respect it. In the sense that I do think it's kind of the only way you could do like a survival horror game in this style, you know, and I think it's cool. I like what they tried to do. I think with this game, with the writing and stuff, I don't know if it all came together for me, especially playing the second game. Like after playing the second game I ca- or the second chapter, I guess I was expecting expecting maybe something more uh Mm. i like like, once again i like what it's set out to do i think it's cool that they're weaving this whole story through the notes you're getting it out of order and trying to piece everything together um i don't know i guess i just wanted a little bit more direction to it like there's Mm -hmm. a part in the second chapter that i really liked where you go into like an abandoned church and you find the notes of the of like a ghost hunting team that went in there that Mm. was like cool and that to mm-hmm. me was like oh yeah i like that but i feel like the overall narrative stuff i guess like one like i said i wanted it to come together a little bit more i think mm. my perspective on this and it's not unique to this game at all i don't want to seem like i'm just ripping on this game my perspective on this shit is that if your game is super reading heavy i want the writing to be A, really great, and B, I want it to have the structure and flow like a novel. You know what I mean? Like, I want things to come together so you get that moment. Like in, you know, if you read Naked Lunch, right, like by William Burroughs, like Naked Lunch is just nonsense, the whole book. Just nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. It's just dumpy nonsense on you. Kind of like reading notes out of order in a video game, right? And then at the end of the book, there's just this big like moment of clarity where everything comes together and it's like, wow, that's fucking crazy, you know? And I don't feel like most video games give you that. And that's why I get so frustrated with them because it's like, if you're gonna have it be so reading Mm -hmm. heavy, I want a moment like that. Yeah. Yeah. I could it, let me know when Burroughs starts writing Atari games. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like I think a lot of the books that I look at it like this, 
they're written by great authors, but I, I don't think that what they're doing is unique to them. Like someone could nick the structural ideas or shit like that. Um, mm. The other thing about this game too is that, so there are story ties between the first and second game that are cool. And so I'm curious to see if maybe like you need to see the ending to get everything that's going on. Uh, and we haven't seen the ending. Well, I guess let's talk about the story and setup then. Sure. Uh, I mean, so in, in Connecticut in 1986, there's this girl named Amy Martin that gets possessed by a demon. And her parents are super religious, so they turn to the Catholic Church for help, who send out two exorcists. They fail, and Amy is institutionalized. Mm-hmm. And a year later, she goes missing. And one of the exorcists decides to go back to the house to finish his work, essentially. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the setup. But there's a lot, you know, with all the notes you find, um, you find about, out about all these, like, happenings around town, how the town has a history of witchcraft and sa- witchcraft and Satanism. And uh, as you wander around the woods, there's a cemetery on the property uh, whose gravestones have, like, non-English text. And uh, apparently the dad had even, like, sent off letters to, like, universities to try to, like, find out what the gravestones said. Um, and then, you know, you get, like, like we were talking about the Chupacabra earlier, you get kind of, like, newspaper clippings about that and whatever. And um, then you start, like, finding out more interesting stuff about the family. I think Amy worked at, it, it's, like, hinted that she worked at an abortion clinic. Yeah. And all the religious people in town kind of, like, frowned on it. Yeah. But then she started, like, seeing, there, there that ties into something later uh, in the sequel where uh, a girl that has, like, a miscarriage sees this witch, like, staring at her all the time. And then once she has her miscarriage, the witch has a baby all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, yeah. Really like, creepy stuff. Like I love that shit. Like, yeah. So no, like, I don't disagree. I, I think there's a lot of cool ideas in these two mm-hmm. chapters. I just, I, I wish they were, like I said, maybe a little more integrated into what was going on or like they had a more clear like purpose. But like, yeah, no, I totally agree. Like there's some interesting stuff about how like the people in the town are like, really like bigots and assholes like they're racist and like yeah they're like kind of like weird like fundamentalists and then yeah in the second game there's like these weird little stories hinted at like that and it's like the shit is all really cool i just wasn't quite sure how it all came together um Mm -hmm. but i agree i mean i agree like this game is full of cool shit and cool ideas and like just the vibe of this game is great um so yeah, yeah, totally. When you get into the house, the game game kind of switches gears. Like you still explore around, you know, like the first floor and second floor, and like exercise objects and get more information about the uh, the family and the exorcism that happened the previous year. Um, you find out that the other priest, I think it was Father Alfred, when he was battling the possessed girl in the basement uh he was either like killed or injured really badly and then uh john he just like escaped with his life so he came back to finish it 
But as you're exploring it, you find like a bunch of like blood in the basement, and then the house becomes possessed. And you essentially have to like go through each room and exercise the demon from each room. Yeah. Until it pops out into the attic. And I guess that's where the difficulty started for you is when you have to go 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 around the house and exercise the demon. Yes. Okay. So this this part of the game is when I totally lost interest in the game, basically, because <laughs> like here's how it starts, right? Yeah. So you go around the house. You're like, oh, this is cool, because like once again, the game it uses the minimalist style to build tension and dread really well. Mm-hmm. And so like for me, even like I could have just walked straight into the house, but I was like, no, I want to explore the yeah. forest. So I did all this exploring, and I was like super ready to go into this house. And I go into the house. And I'm like, this is creepy. And then, yeah, you basically get like knocked out in the basement. You wake up in the bedroom and you get this horrifying cutscene yes. of like a, a ghost girl like coming creepy up. Lady. Creepy lady coming up over the bed at you. And the first time I saw it, I was like, holy God in heaven, that is fucking terrifying. <laughs> and then I was like, shit, like, well, what's what's all this then? So then you're in the room. You collect a couple notes in the room. You go to the next room. And then, like, basically weird shit starts happening. Like, symbols appear. you. The symbols appear around you, and, like, something's going on. And then I, got, I died right away. Yeah. So what happens is that you walk into a room, and you start seeing these, like, symbols, like, heading towards you. And what you have to do is uh, put your cross up, and then it reveals uh, the ghost or demon or whatever. And then like copies of the ghost show up like in a star pattern like up down left right yeah and you have to you have to attack it with your cross in all four directions and hurt the right one yeah and okay essentially in every room of the house you have to rinse and repeat that and that's but it, it took me like two deaths terrible. to figure that out though. no okay no, it was fine i fucking hated that okay so it here's the here's the problem first of all i couldn't figure that out because that seemed really dumb the other thing is that <laughs> Like you, can't, it's almost like Fatal Frame. You can't see them unless you look through the camera, and that's what you do. You point your cross at them and you reveal them. But when you hold up your cross, you can't move. So you can't hold up your cross and try all the directions. You have to hold up your cross, put it back down, change direction, hold up your cl- cross again. Mm. It's super clunky and it's bad. And I couldn't figure it out because it seemed so stupid. So then I looked up a YouTube video, saw how you were supposed to do it. And I was like, oh, that is absolutely stupid. Went back, and I would still fuck it up sometimes because the dude is so fucking slow. Also, side note, it's really distracting if you're using, like, an Xbox One controller because, like, Mm. Xbox One is, like, the loudest controller ever made. And so the fact that you have to (laughs) mash that weird button combination, it sounds like you're throwing your controller down the stairs as hard as you can. Playing Beat Mania. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it sucked, and I was just immediately like, I'm not interested in this anymore. And I actually had to stop playing the game for like a day, because I just got so annoyed. Cause, <laughs> yeah, and, that was like 10 minutes for me. That's crazy. I hated it. And and once yeah. again, I think that the fact... And in the second game, the second game, the combat encounters, I think, are a, a little bit better. But at the same time, it's still They're really... longer. They're longer. They're really hampered by the by two things. Number one is that your character moves slow as shit, and number one is that you can't move with your cross up. Like mm-hmm. being able to move with your cross up would make this whole thing mm. so much better. I just hated the way that you were supposed to exercise that ghost. It was really annoying. But then, so 
after you do that, you're basically at the end of the game and you have to fight yeah. the last boss, which is such hot bullshit. Like that was what sent me fully over the edge into like, I, I messaged you right after I beat that. And I was like, yeah, is the second one better? Cause I think I hate this game. <laughs> and, and it was yeah. like, I don't hate this game, but that last boss, like, once again, it's so overcomplicated. It's so weird. You have no context clues to, like, figure out what you're supposed to do. And even That's some... That's not true. Some of the you have context clues. I think some of the stuff is so janky, too, that for me, I would not have expected to have to do that. Mm. And it was just so frustrating. Like, it's another fucking horror game that has pointless combat inserted into it, and it kind of ruined it for me. Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. I don't know. I disagree. There's like two fights in the game. Like, fight her in the house, and then you fight her in the attic. You fight her in every room of the house. <laughs> yeah, uh, but she only takes one hit in each room. Yeah, like, and it's like once you figure out to do it, it's okay. But I still fucked it up and would die. I don't yeah. know. Like I, it it sucks. And once again, if you look up YouTube videos of people playing this game, like I did to try and figure out how to do this shit, they die a lot too. So it's not <laughs> just me. Like I would totally accept if it was like just me. It's not mm. just me. Well, yeah, I just didn't have that experience. So to me, it was uh, breezy and fun. I mean, it's no like Cuphead difficulty or anything. It's no Contra. I mean, uh, in its own way, though, like I just really dislike it when a game feels like I have to game mm. a broken system to get it to work. And that's how this game felt to me. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm just like I play so many old school games, though, like I just like intuit like pattern recognition kind of stuff. And maybe that's why I figured it out so fast. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I just didn't have that problem. I guess the, yeah, the, the fights are old school difficulty, I suppose. Well, it's um, not even that. I think they're super hard. Like I said, I think there's just certain things about them. Like the fact that you can't move while your cross is up. And the fact that there's no indicator of what the range on your cross is, and you just have to like figure it out. And it's weird to me because in the final battle, the way that you beat it is you basically take like pot shots at her, but it's by holding up a cross and seeing if she flashes. Like you can't, it's not like a gun that you shoot and you can see where your shot is going. It's not like an area Mm -hmm. of effect attack where you can see the range. It's literally Mm -hmm. just like hold up cross, see if she flashes, take little pot shots at her that way. And Mm. that was really frustrating to me because it was just like, I don't know when to take a risk in a fight like that. Mm. So it's just like my brain was just like, no, I'm not saying this is definitively like the correct opinion on this game. I'm just saying that like the way that you do the combat in this game was not compatible with my brain. Yeah, sure. I mean, we'll agree to disagree, but move on from there because a really interesting thing happens after you beat the, the boss is that the game saves, uh, because there are five endings Right. When you walk back downstairs, there's a gun on the floor with one bullet. And um, 
right after you beat the last boss, she jumps out of the window. So you know she's somewhere in the woods. And you know that Chupacabra is out there. Yeah. And so there are several things you can shoot and get different endings. Right. Uh, I don't know about you, but the first ending I got, I just walked back to my car. Mm-hmm. And the Chupacabra came after me and I shot it. Yeah. And he walked into the street and got hit by a semi. And yeah. that was kind of my first ending. Yeah, for sure. I think that's uh, probably the first ending that most people get. Because you're just like, unless you go after her. It's sort of the good ending, too. I don't know if it's canonical, though. Um, uh, another one, you know, you can find her in the woods, like, bleeding. You can kill her. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find this mysterious old man by the shack and kill him. And then as you leave, uh, the chupacabra is in the back of your car and he kills you. Yeah. <laughs> um, the mysterious man actually comes up in a uh, piece of lore. Uh, apparently the possessed girl had uh, twin brothers. And on their birthday, the mysterious man showed up and was talking to one of them. Um, so it's kind of thought that I'm, I'm not sure if this is confirmed in lore or not. Uh, I haven't looked into it, but I think the Chupacabra is one of the twins. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I think that that's like the first, one of the early scenes in the second game. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, five different endings. It's really cool because you can just do all five back to back if you're interested. Yeah. Or you can get your one and just jump on YouTube and watch the rest of them if you want. But it is cool. It's a cool setup for multiple endings. You know, we, we, complain about them all the time on here but it is kind of the same thing that count lucanor did where it just kind of gives you one thing to do mm-hmm. and you can get you know that game also has like i think it's the same amount like five endings uh like somewhere between three and five endings and like you just go and you make the choice you want to make it's pretty it's pretty cool I, I like that aspect of it i will say i didn't yeah do you know which one is the ending that leads into the second game yeah, uh, I'm I'm not sure, but it might be the one where he kills the girl. Um, yeah, it's yeah. It. Uh, I mean, I didn't fact check all my notes, so I'm not 100 percent on everything. You know, it's an, it's one of those note games. You know, you read all the notes and then. Yeah, I mean, somebody will fact check us. Full disclosure, too. I had no idea what was going on with the story in the, oh, sec- really? in the second game. Yeah, it's uh, the second one. Uh, it scopes up from the first game. Yeah. So, uh, chapter two, you actually start as a different person, your father Garcia, mm-hmm. and it's creepy because you start in his house, but you go down to his basement, and he has a boy chained up in his basement that's possessed by a demon. Yeah. And I'm kind of assuming that it's either the Chupacabra or the twin brother. He might be the other twin. I don't know. But yeah, he like turns into the chupacabra, and there's yeah, like, it's creepy. He's like because the 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 priest is like you know like reveal your name to me, demon. He's like, and the, I think the demon says, "You know nothing, pendejo." Yeah, in the <laughs> but in the fucking robot voice, which is pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, so creepy. And but then, yeah, uh, I think he breaks out, goes upstairs, and I think he eats Father Garcia's dog. And then then, uh, the robot voice says, like, Dios mio, what have you done? It's so cool. Yeah. I love that shit. It's like, yeah, it's pretty cool. There's, like, pictures around the house of, like, this kid degrading into a demon. Super Uh, creepy. But, you know, this game, 
Well, similar to the first game, it has a bunch of interesting themes and ideas, but yeah, I couldn't really follow what was going on. But one big theme in this game is like, are these guys exorcists or are they just child murderers? And I thought like (laughs) that was kind of a cool, or at least that's what I picked up was like this theme of like this character you're playing as and like this other character who you briefly play as might just be like serial killers who kill children masquerading as like exorcists. Yeah, because thought, you get some notes saying that they aren't really priests and like yeah. the Vatican never sent them. Yeah. And then yeah. like later there's this whole theme of like this serial killer named John and like mm. I thought maybe that was you. So like there's some interesting themes and stuff in in this one about that, but once yeah i couldn't really follow what was going on and this was sort of where some of the design of like the minimalism and the fact that's all note based etc etc i felt like kind of hurt the story a bit because just because Mm. it was like so it got really really abstract yeah well so yeah you after after the kind of prologue you start in a cemetery and you kind of have to go to each like you know, far east, far west, far north to kind of beat these like mini bosses to get a key to get out of the cemetery. Mm-hmm. And you end up in at a church surrounded by a cornfield. And there, I think there's a, some like uh, optional content where there's like kids hiding in the corn, but somehow you can gain their trust and like lure them into the church. Um, but it's cool because you could e- you could either like not even go into the cornfield and mess with that and just go straight into the church or like find this optional stuff, which I yeah. thought was interesting. Yeah. But when you go into the church is what you were talking about earlier, where you find all these notes of like a paranormal TV show team uh, trying to like capture you know voice phenomenon and stuff on uh, video. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, the church looks really great. There's some cool like stained glass art that's done in the Atari style that looks really cool. There's uh, yeah, there's like a invisible demon in there, uh, which is kind of a weird, interesting mechanic. Oh, I each... hated that. Don't start me about. <laughs> don't get me started on that bullshit. So each room has a set of candles, and the set of candles is actually like a map of the church. And there are two flames. One flame is you, and every time you know you move rooms, you can see the candles, and like your your candle moved one. And then the other candle is showing where the demon is. Oh. So you walk around the church trying to link up to when only one candle is burning, because that means that you and the demon are in the same room. Oh. And then you start to get these like trippy visual effects, like the the colors start bleeding and stuff. And that's when you can. Put your uh, cross up and fight the demon. Okay. Okay. See this. Okay. This is a perfect illustration of like my problem with this game, (laughs) which is that, okay. It's so funny that we're talking to this, talking about this game right after the NES episode, (laughs) because I think the takeaway, the sort of like big picture idea of the NES episode was like, all these games are super cool. They have Mm -hmm. crazy ideas. They're too clever for their own good. And like you gotta know how to play it to play it. Like on Friday the thirteenth, you just can't just know how to play it. Like yes. You can't just pick it up. And ultimately the games are not fun to play. That's mm. exactly how I feel about Faith. Faith is obviously better than those games because there's more going on. There's more that you can access before it gets super frustrating. Like 
both these games have a whole kind of first part that is not very frustrating that you can just play and get a bunch of cool story and stuff. And then it's like the second half gets really frustrating, but like shit like that, right. Would have been (laughs) great to know because I, okay. I figured out that there's an invisible ghost that stalks you and then eventually you have to fight it. The problem was that I could never figure out how to get it into the same room as you without just wandering around and waiting for it to show up, which was not very compelling. And then you Uh have to fight it and it's super fucking annoying. Like it's not really hard, but it is very annoying. I died a couple times. The game is okay with the checkpoints, but it does get super Uh annoying where like if you die before a cinematic, it'll show you the cinematic again. And also when you die, that horrible robot voice says Mortis really loud. (laughs) And like, I love that. I fucking hated that. I got so sick of hearing Mortis, Mortis. Dude, they sell Mortis t-shirts, and I'm going to get one. Oh, my God. No. No. (laughs) I hated it so much. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like this part of this game is so crazy because it's like the coolest part of either game Mm. and also very, very frustrating because of shit like that. I just got it, though. Like, well, one, a note from the TV crew gives you a big hint on it. Because they say, like, oh, every time I move the room, the candles change. Uh, And I was like, oh, okay. The candles are like a map to the church. So, like, yeah. I kind of just got it. Uh, I didn't have that problem. I don't know. I didn't get it. Like, And I think that's, once again, I think this game is too clever for its own good. Like, it's obviously got a lot of cool ideas. It's obviously very clever. But I think a lot of its best ideas are not communicated to the player and also mm. the the last section, like kind of from the end of the church on to the last part of the game or the next section of the game, which is in these sewers, like there is so much stuff in there that is like, how are you supposed to know that? That like, shit is so tight. Okay. How are well, you supposed okay. to know that? I found this game to be super frustrating for that reason. I only had to look up a YouTube video like once playing both of these games. Uh, anyways, so... Turns out there's a secret door in the confessional that leads to this basement uh, where there's like a bunch of like demonic shit with like puzzles where you have to like walk in the right direction. This like really weird shit happens where like I think you get possessed by a demon and then you like turn into a demon and you come out of like a sewer hole somewhere like as the demon. Yeah. And then you're 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 going through this like drainage ditch and you end up at this bridge where two people are fixing their truck. Uh as you go under the bridge, you go you switch from like demon to like pastor again, like once you're off camera. Yeah. But you can actually take an alternate route as the demon and go up to that bridge and like kill the two people. Oh, crazy. It's really fucking cool. Yeah. Like you kill the guy and the girl runs away or you kill them both or whatever. Well, see, here's the thing. Shit like that, I think. And also one part that you didn't mention right before that, which is when you're in the conven- uh, confessional booth, there's like a really cool cutscene. I mean, mm, yeah, there, I think shit like that highlights that the game's minimal style and the fact that it has this distinct use of audio and visuals that are in the Satari style makes it so that the more cinematic stuff is really fucking cool. Like mm. it's it's like it can deliver these 
subtle, understated, and super weird cinematic moments in that style really well. So that's why I didn't understand why it would waste time with like obtuse puzzles and terrible fucking combat done at like super slow speed. Cause it's like, this is the good shit. Like that's the cool shit. Why are we doing this other shit? That was my whole take on this game, you know? Uh, yeah. Again, like beating the church monster took me like three minutes. Oh man, I died so many. So yeah, I didn't times. have the yeah. I'm sorry you had that experience. Uh, so, anyways, uh, after that drainage ditch, you go to the, you get you get to this like really foreboding like sewer entrance. It says like the candy tunnel over it, and you go into the candy tunnel, and it kind of looks like that movie Chud. There's just like dirty needles and like cardboard sleeping places for everywhere, and you start reading these notes about how like a uh, a bunch of like homeless people have been disappearing down here. And there was, uh, the police came down here looking for somebody that was missing. And there ended up being like a big police shootout. And a bunch of cops died. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's like there. And you find, find out that there's like a serial killer down there. Well, yeah, they blame it on a serial killer, but yeah. apparently it's some supernatural shit going on. It kind of reminds me a lot of Candyman with like, um, you know, the scenes with the projects. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of like uh, graffiti everywhere, and it kinda, uh, sometimes the graffiti gives you like big hints. Yeah. Um, which uh, I missed one hint and I had to look it up on YouTube. That was the one time. There's a pipe. Uh, there, there are pipes on the wall, and it doesn't look like you can go up one, but you can. Yeah. You can like walk off screen. But the graffiti is showing arrows going up. Like, I should have put two and two together there. See, I didn't get that at all. And when I looked it up, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know. That was just another thing where I was just like, somebody spray painted arrows there. No. And then there's another wall that says like stash and you can go behind that wall and get like an extra note. But then you die. Well, yeah, the, 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 there's this guy down there that will stab the shit out of you if you don't. Yeah. But it's like a cool cutscene, but it's like, why did I have to die to see that? And also right before that though, there is a good puzzle where like, there's these like graffiti on the wall that it's not clear that you can look at, but if you walk by it, like it pops up on screen and it's like, uh-huh. Oh, and then it gives you the clue for how to get past the next room. Like that's just some legend of Zelda shit. Like that's cool. But then like this other shit, it's just like, what? Come it's on. It's a jump scare. I mean, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I, w- I was not, when I found out I had to walk up off screen, I was not happy. I was not pleased. <laughs> yeah. That one got me. Yeah. Uh, moving forward, you end up in these like tunnels that keep going and going, and you end up at like a satanic temple. Um, you finally get a flashlight, and uh, a lot of the end part is in like darkness, which is kind of fucked up because there are rooms like filled with bad guys that kind of like slowly come towards you, and you have to like Alan Wake push the bad guys off of you a couple times. Yeah, um, and that like- was tough. That was hard, but I thought it was a cool idea. Once again, I think that, like, a game that is so minimalist but still trying to do horror, like, you have to use your assets to your advantage, right? So you have to use the fact that you can still just drop someone into a dark room, like, to your advantage. And, like, yeah, dying once is kind of cool because you're like, oh, you didn't expect to, like, that there are dudes there. And it's like, oh, shit, that's crazy. And you just get sent back to the beginning of the next room. Like, mm-hmm. that shit was cool. And that's why I wish a lot of the other shit was less frustrating. Because there are moments that are cool where you where it kills you. And I was like, okay, that's kind of neat. But then there's other moments that weren't. 
Um, mm. The thing about this part, though, is that you basically do the same last boss as the first part as the Kinda, last boss. They yeah. just copy-pasted the last boss well, of the first so part. You meet up with Father Garcia. He's down there. And so you kind of fight the last boss and some other baddies at the same time together. And if you manage to keep him alive during the boss fight, you can get the good endings. Or if yeah. he dies during the fight, you kind of get the mediocre or bad endings. Sure. Uh, which which is kind of cool, but unfortunately, the game this time the game saves after the boss, so you're not able to get the good endings once he dies. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it's it's cool because once you beat the last boss, you wake up at home and there's like a note on the bedstand like of your wife leaving you, and yeah. that's kind of how the game ends, like. Him driving off. Yeah. And his wife just left him because he's, like, obsessed with this demon shit. It's really well, cool. And that was... So that was, like, the point where I was just like, okay, excuse me, what? Because first of all, it made me do the last boss from the first game again, which I was very salty about because I hated it. And then... It's not exactly... It's it's similar, though. It's very similar in a yeah. way that I didn't like. But then, yeah, like, I'm I'm curious to see is the ending so abrupt because there's going to be another part that ties up the story or yeah, i think it's i think it pulled the empire strikes back yeah or what because like by the end of this game the whole last leg of the story i was like i have no clue what's going on i have no clue like what the relevance to the entire story is mm. and, and yeah i i was just kind of lost and that end section pissed me off. Um, so I, I don't know, you know, <laughs> I guess like, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about this game still. Like I said at the top, I think it's a very interesting game, but I really did not enjoy playing mm. like at least 50% of the whole experience. I just did not enjoy. One of the things that I read was that the developer was trying to challenge himself by by you know posing the question as whether basic crap basic super basic graphics could create real horror and i think it does a really good job for a couple reasons like one the cutscenes are just fucking freaky as shit two um just like something about the extreme minimalism leaves more to your imagination i think and for some reason, it, it, it was just really, like, easy to, like, get into my head, you know? And especially since it, it might be because I have, like, a personal appreciation for, like, possession movies and, you know, haunted house ghost movies and stuff. But, like, I just loved the vibe of this game. And I just, like, fell right into its trap immediately. I was just enthralled by it. And I think the minimalism like made it more internalized in my head because your imagination has to work more. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that it does, I think it does a good job of kind of copying the aesthetic of something like an old seventies possession movie. Like it definitely has that vibe and, you know, some of the notes and lore do that really well. Um, I agree there. I do think that it would have been a better experience for me if it had been less frustrating and combat based. Cause like, I still feel like with horror games dying over and over should not be a part of them. 
it totally takes you out of the experience and it makes you focus more on like your hands than like what's happening on screen. And whenever that shit happens, I'm just, I'm not into it. So yeah, that, that definitely took me out of it. But I mean, I agree with what you're saying. I like the aesthetic. I like the vibe. I think the choices like of what the story is about and how it's, you know, set up is are cool. Um, I hope it comes together, you know, in the third one, I hope there is some sort of like, wrap up to the story that's satisfying and that actually brings together all these different ideas and elements. Yeah. I don't see the combat changing much, but yeah, I'll I'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how the story wraps up. Yeah. Like it is, it is, it does feel in a lot of ways to me, like just a bunch of ideas. Um, and I want to see it coalesce into something cool, you know, story wise, but I don't know. I think it's super fucking cool. Uh, chapter one's free and chapter two's a dollar on itch. Yeah. Uh, apparently the demos, uh, there's a demo of chapter one, two and three out right now. And apparently they have unique content that actually aren't in the full game either. So like, if you really want to get every last little drop out of these games, you can do that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I loved it. Um, I mean, despite i mean to me the biggest flaw of the game is that like uh the beginning i got lost really for like a really long time and you walk too slow uh i didn't find the combat like ultra frustrating like you did uh, i thought it was super solid i give this game like a solid like man four at least four stars yeah i'm gonna yeah. say the same shit about it that i said about the nes stuff it's a yeah. very intriguing but it's not fun to play and also the mechanics are just so simple like it's not something like friday the 13th worth like so many moving parts like you literally have one mechanic raising your cross and walking up down left and right like that's it but also like you get killed in one hit and you can't move while your Mm -hmm. cross is up so it actually does kind of get like i said you you end up doing some fucking street fighter shit to try and beat the demons (laughs) special moves yeah but you know it's worth checking out like it's free uh i think even if you just play the first part of the first game to see like what the vibe is it's Mm -hmm. it's worth checking out um and it's cool i don't know i i wanted to like this game a lot i like a lot of the stuff that it does but i just did not enjoy playing it i did not have fun and ultimately i just by the end of each game i was more frustrated than i've been at anything in a while so wow. yeah like that's Jeez. like like i walked away from it and i i messaged you right after did you play d2 well i mean you know come on <laughs> <laughs> i mean d2 is just like a mess right like d2 doesn't trick you into thinking it's cool d2 opens mm. with like some bullshit yeah. yeah let let us know what you think gamers game game players game game uh, likers yeah i want to i, I want to see if other people are as frustrated you about the combat like maybe maybe this is one of my super hot takes or something that i don't realize apparently i'm full of those recently so i mean people love this game i mean this game has a really good reputation and people talk about it in very like high terms well, it's sort of a itch darling but it's not like burning up like the triple a market or anything well, no, and I think too with stuff like I mean the same reason that I hadn't checked it out before because I heard about this game forever ago, but mm. I hadn't checked it out because I was like, oh, it's a trilogy, and the third part isn't out yet. Uh, yeah, that's still the case. So like, yeah. 
<laughs> and you know, there's a listing for the whole trilogy on Steam. And yeah. like the minute that that's done and goes live, I know a lot of people are going to check this game out. Um, so I think that that's, that, true. that's the main thing holding it back. Not people complaining about it like me, but I also know that I'm not crazy. Like I said, cause you can look up videos of people play even videos that are like walk through and the guy dies like 18 times. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> okay. Like that seems right. But no, I mean, I think that this game and you know, once again, with the story stuff, it's hard to say until you have all the pieces in place because the story is so nebulous that, mm. and that's, you know, so I, I get why I waited and I get why some people are probably waiting, but you know, I would say check it out. Cause there's no release date for the third one, you know? Yeah. And I, I really like to pl- look forward to playing the third one. Uh, I might just have to do like a solo review of it when it comes out. I just like talk to myself or something. Yeah, you hated talking to me about this so much that I'm getting kicked off the episode. No, if you want to cover it, I'm super down. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. That's I mean, all I'm saying. the other thing about these games is like, like I said, they're so short that there was no way that I was going to like not finish it. Well, I'll be interested to see how they package it all together. I wonder if they'll do like a kentucky route zero type thing where you get like a cool ui sticking it all together with the uh, demo content spliced in somehow you know yeah i mean that would be cool like that definitely enhanced kentucky route zero a lot uh like i said in that review to the point where i felt like the demo one of the demo chapters was like or one of the yeah like the side content chapters was one of my favorite parts of the whole game yeah, uh, and it's hard for me to imagine playing that game not in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this game, from a story perspective, probably needs something like that mm-hmm. uh, to not feel like just a lot of ideas. But also, like I don't know, you know, we were talking about Clive Barker the other day, and it's like my favorite Clive Barker uh, shit is the Books of Blood, and like. Mm it's literally just a bunch of ideas, right? Like they're short stories. They're, they're just a bunch of weird ideas. And like, I think that I would like to see more of that in video games. I like that idea, but you do need to have something tying it together. If you're going to present it as like a single kind of narrative, you know? Mm -hmm. So this has a little bit of that feel where it's like, because it's so text-based, they could just throw in whatever cool idea they had, but it, I'm, I'm hoping that it all kind of wraps up or something happens. Like, I'm going to play the third one because I want to see where they're going. But, yeah. Nice. Faith, man. Retro, retro horror games, they're, uh, they're their own thing. <laughs> My review? Gotta have faith. Hello and welcome to Game Club. Since James loves the robot voice in Faith so much, I hired a robot to read this. Up next is Carrion, the brand new offbeat Metroidvania game. Then we are out of the retro zone and back to modern games with The Evil Within 2. See you in the pit mother lovers. <laughs>